Down and Dunk. This is Lee Dort, and I'm Down to Dort. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm Down to Dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm Down to Dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm Down to Dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm Down to Dunk. This is Poku, and I'm Down to Dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most of it. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? How's it going? Oh, it's going very good. Uh, <laughs> Thunder played one of the all-time tank games that I've maybe ever seen. The starting lineups were amazing. The... <laughs> Closing lineups were just as amazing. It was just, man, a wild game. A game I felt like the Thunder had it. They had it in in hand down the stretch. Yeah. They were getting killed. It was great. And then freaking Isaiah Roby did did the job. It was uh I, I'm I'm being honest when I say this. I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> it was a top ten game experience of my lifetime. Wow, like in person game, you mean? In-person game, yeah. Okay. Like, I've been to better games. I've been around better crowds. Yeah. But based on where my expectations were going into that game, yeah, it far surpassed anything I was yeah. expecting. Like, I, I don't disagree. It's I haven't done this in a long time for a Thunder game. I, I've done it a couple times this season. But it takes a very special game for me to stand up while I'm watching the game. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I did the stand-up, definitely. Well, I got I to gotta give props to the Blazers fans because I it was a Monday night and like we had gone to the last Thunder game which was on a Friday night and I felt like it was just like a dead atmosphere like it was just like not a fun game <laughs> and so that's what I was expecting for this game and why yeah. I thought I'd be able to get such cheap tickets and I was like holding out for 20 bucks in the lower bowl never happened I eventually had to pay 31 now that was fees included Andrew which is mm-hmm. still pretty solid for lower bowl mm-hmm. but I was behind the basket and man like I tweeted out about Drew Eubanks. Like, people were going nuts. <laughs> like, when Drew Eubanks, he had, like, a big dunk or whatever, it mm. sounded like I was – it was sounded like a playoff atmosphere in the arena. Yeah. It was wild. And I just, like – I just couldn't believe it. And I was – I was so I was behind the basket, so I got thunder sticks Ooh, yeah. in the second there half, which, I, which just makes everything more fun. Sure. And, uh, yeah, it was just – I couldn't believe, like the Poku pass, like the whole arena erupted in laughter. <laughs> it, was, it was just, it was, just, I was just kind of blown away because again, it was a Monday night against like the like two of the worst teams in the league. Who yeah. would ever care about this? Yeah. But it felt like a playoff game in there. Yeah. It was so wild. So yeah, it was a blast. Yeah, I sat in complete silence after the Poku pass. Just. <laughs> <laughs> complete and poke has done a lot of wild things but that might be number one just you throw a pass so wildly off that it may have hit the 200 section well dude the last two i mean when you think about poku moments mm-hmm. like that might be in the top five the other one is the one that happened in december when you know he like missed the dunk but then got the steal and dunked it at one. home and i was at that game wow so every time 
every time I go to the Thunder game, I get these magical Poku moments. We got to get you on the Thunder nice. beat, like the official beat. I don't know. Yeah. Who needs a who needs a beat writer to travel to games so that we can get the ultimate Poku moment season? I think maybe Poku could hire me as his like PR oh. kind of guy. I follow him with That's the team, call. write little articles about him. Uh, but yeah, it, it was such a fun game, and it was very funny because I could you could watch Blazers fans in front of me, and I could tell which ones were on board with the tank, yeah, and which ones weren't. Like there was a guy two rows in front of me who would not cheer for the Thunder, but every time someone on the Thunder shot a three, he like raised his arms like this, <laughs> like like the field goal thing, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and that's all he did. But I could tell he really wanted the Blazers to lose, that's but he awesome. would he couldn't go as far as cheering. Meanwhile, like I once I got those thunder sticks, I was like, I'm all in on the <laughs> You're Blazers. Out of like, Let's go, Blazers. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. And then uh so some of the things that happened that that just took this game to another level. Yeah. First, uh, so at halftime, we were walking around the concourse and there were a couple Thunder fans. I I didn't meet anyone like necessarily a down, as a down and dunk listener, but my wife was wearing the giddy jersey. Oh, okay. so people saw us. Nice. And so this one guy in an SGA jersey saw us and came up and high fived us, and that was all. Beginning of the fourth quarter, I look across the court and I see this guy, the SGA guy, yeah, who I had just given a high five to, and he's in like the same seat as me, but on the opposite side, and he is standing up. He's the only one standing up in his section, and he is very aggressively cheering on the thunder oh he's like he, he wants them to win uh, i guess based on the body language of course i'm, I'm you know more than 100 sure. feet away but it looks yes and so and it got to the point where the thunder bench because he was closer to the thunder bench they were interacting with him because like i mean you could see, you could hear i could hear him on the other side of the court at certain parts and so, like, after Roby had, like, a really, like, strong finish at the cup or whatever, yeah. the the guys on the Thunder bench are doing the flex thing to this guy who's doing it back to them. I'm like, oh, this is, this is kind the of players entertaining. players are, are flexing to him? To the guy. From what I can see, from my vantage point, that looks like what is I going I want to believe on. nothing else, so keep going. And he just keeps going. Within two minutes, he is being escorted out by security. And I don't know... <laughs> exactly what happened but in addition to yelling at the players he was also for stretches just turning around for like 20 seconds at a time facing blazers fans and just yelling oh that's it there's there's so the reason he got escorted out and i don't know i, I mean if he's a down to dunk listener uh, let us know because <laughs> because there there was a there was like six minutes at the beginning of the fourth quarter where i was just not paying attention to the game at all i was just watching this guy oh and then he gets gosh. escorted out and he's like waving to the fans and they're waving back at him so i mean you know is it was just one of those weird things and it's one of the reasons why i personally don't love wearing jerseys in in you know uh, opposing another uh, opposing yeah. team arenas yeah because yeah. you just get more attention on you bro that's for real my very first nba game ever i went to a mavericks lakers game in dallas and i'm decked out in shack gear from head to toe i'm wearing my <laughs> headband i've got my shack shoes on i've got everything on i'm i don't know i'm like 15 maybe and i got yelled at i got threatened it was I was just like, I'm just trying to have a good time here. Somebody was like, I'll, I'll see you in the parking lot. 
what? <laughs> I'm just like this teenage kid just wanting to see Shaq. I didn't even get to see Shaq. He sat out that game probably because they wanting to to tank for positioning, but didn't get to see Carl Malone play. It was that Carl Malone season. Yeah, um, that's why I let uh, my what my pregnant eight eight month pregnant <laughs> wife wear the Giddy jersey every time because they they would do this thing in arena where they would try to find someone with a Thunder jersey and then yeah. like make their nose big or something. Oh yeah, yeah, with some like filter. And so every time that came up, I would have to cover up her Giddy jersey with my jacket to prevent them from seeing her. Oh my god! And then uh, some of the other things that happened. So, uh, so around the beginning of the fourth quarter, I went and got my second beer, Andrew. Ooh, okay, and um. I wanted. Uh, do they have fancy to, beer I, in in Portland at the game? Oh, 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 do they have fancy beer? <laughs> uh, yes, every beer costs twelve dollars and twenty five cents. Holy smokes, man! That that means yeah. no beer for me. That's what that means. Uh, that means two beers for me. <laughs> uh, and I found a beer that was like so obnoxious that I I wanted to try it. It was called it, like the type of beer. It was a tart IPA. Yeah, and it had it said it had passion fruit, dragon fruit, and vanilla bean. <laughs> I was like, oh, this sounds ridiculous. So I bought that, drank it. It was fine. It tasted like uh, grapefruit juice, honestly, and I like grapefruit juice, so it's okay. <laughs> but at the end, so this is like right as it's getting to crunch time. Actually, this might have been like right at regu- end of regulation when we're deciding, you know, are we about to leave or are, is it going to be overtime? Yeah. I look at the can and I realize in the ingredients that it has uh, milk sugar. It has lactose as one of the main ingredients. Oh, and I'm no, la- wow. lactose intolerant. This is bad. Lactose intolerant. Yeah. So right then, as we're going into overtime, I'm like, it's, it's, I'm a ticking time bomb. <laughs> this is, something bad is going to happen <laughs> sometime in the next 24 to 48 hours. I don't know when it's going to happen. I hope I make it through overtime. <laughs> Thankfully, I did. Oh, we man. get we leave the game. Yeah, we went we went with our two friends, couple friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the guy Paul, who is like a huge Blazers fan, but he also wants them to tank, so he was cheering for the Thunder the whole time. We get in our car. We're driving home. We're driving home on this street called Williams, which is a two lane one way, and it's made for bikes because it it's just a one way street, and yeah. you have this huge bike lane. We're driving, and I see a car coming towards me. Oh, no. Uh, which it should not be doing. How? Say this is street. quite an experience. Uh, I'm saying this is why it all added up to just an amazing night. Uh, it's coming towards me, but luckily there's two lanes, so it's on the other lane. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess as long as he doesn't change into my lane, this is fine. He, I pass him. In my rearview mirror, I now see a cop coming the other way. As I go further, I look out my window, and I see bikes on the ground. And I see my friends, Meg and Paul. They'd just been hit by a car no. on the way home from the game. This guy had turned down like a one-way street and just nailed my friend Meg. Luckily, she's like fine, but her like bike is like screwed up. And so then we had to stop and like the cops came and it was just a very uh entertaining <laughs> night. Wow. I mean, luckily everyone was okay. So it's not like I, I was not like anything bad happened, but it was it was just it all added up to just like the most amazing uh, tank game I've ever experienced. Like that was entertainment. You I will, was entertained from beginning to end. You will never forget that entire experience. Wow. I will not. Uh, I, I will awesome. say though, do you ever find uh, I don't know if this is because of where my seats were because they were behind the basket. Mm-hmm. And I, and usually when I sit in the low, lower bowl somewhere, I sit behind the basket because those are like the cheapest lower bowl tickets. Mm-hmm. But like I have a really hard time following the actual game. Like, if you had tapped me on the shoulder in the fourth quarter and said, Poku has 30 points, 
and Roby almost has a triple double. Like yeah. if it was reversed, I would have been like, "Oh, really? That's that's wild." Like I had no idea that Roby was like going for thirty. Did you know that Aaron Wiggins had twenty eight? No, I didn't. Like I'm literally watching the game right in front of me, and I have like, I, I it is I'm completely unable to like thread together plays yeah. and have a sense of who's doing well and who's doing bad. So when I'm at a game, I definitely when I'm at a game without my laptop and everything like in front of me when I'm not on media row. Yes, I do feel that way, especially when you sit close. Cause I, I sat courtside a few times at games and yeah, you're just, you're distracted by everything that's going on around you. You're distracted yeah. by like, not only the play, but then like, what are the players doing and saying, what is the bench, like everything. But like when I'm sitting at games, like I've got my laptop in front of me. A lot of times this season, I've had like another game on that laptop, but um, <laughs> and then you have your there's a screen that sits in front of us that has all the stats for every player um, going on the whole time. You have everything going on, on the jumbotron, and then I'm sitting with people that are covering the game, so like right. if something's going on, like we're just talking about the game the entire time. Like, oh, you see, so and so did this, or so and so is about to get a career high, or this or this. So it's it's way easier to follow it down there than I th- honestly than I thought it would be because sitting down low before it's just like man like this is it's incredible it's so fun to see them up close but it's harder to follow the game but I've I've done it so many times this year that I feel like I'm getting used to it because I used to, I mean it's been kind of crazy cuz I was sitting last season we're sitting up in like the 200 section before that I'm sitting up in Cloud City way up top oh, yeah. like farther like farther away than any fan could get you know <laughs> in the game so yeah actually it that's like more zoomed out than the television feed it's more zoomed out than the tv it's and it's not bad but it's especially if you like get in you're in a playoff game and you know it's like pretty cool but at the same time like you are you are very far away <laughs> yeah but yeah so like I didn't know in the moment that Roby was having an amazing game, other than the fact that obviously he hit the uh, the game tying three to send it overtime. Uh, <laughs> oh which... man, the, I was I was devastated. I was absolutely <laughs> devastated, and I just need to get this point across. Like everybody's like, well, the odds don't shift that much if you go from four to three, or you go right, from four right, to right. two. I'm well aware of that. Here's the deal with the odds. Because this, to me, it's not about the odds. The odds, no matter where you're at, the odds suck. No matter where you're at. It doesn't matter. Whether you're one or four or five, Like your odds are not good. You don't have good odds. What, what it does do, though, is it mitigates how far you can fall. Like That's what it's all about for me now. Is If you can get up to three, the farthest you fall is seven. The thunder could fall to eight. Like that's it's a low possibility, but it's possible. So if you can get to two or three, it's not about the percentage. I could care less about that. It's just not. It's it's not what I'm. What I want for the Thunder. It's I want to mitigate how far they can fall. This is why you want to have the worst record because the worst pick that whoever gets the first pick in the draft. Or whoever has the worst odds or the best odds. Sorry, I can't even talk. This is—it's so confusing talking about it because like worst is best, best is worst. It's all very confusing. But if right now Detroit and Orlando and Houston are all tied, whoever has the best odds, the furthest they can fall is five. 
So that's what you want. Like that's why you, to me that's why you want it. It's not because I prefer 52 to 48. And yeah, I do prefer that, but it's not anything to cry about. But it's to me it's like, it's okay to be upset because they had a legitimate shot. If they were to lose that game, it was going to be they're going to have a legitimate shot to get up into the top 3. Now it feels like they're going to be more locked into four with being two and a half games back now but that's like that's why it's okay to be upset about that because i just want to mitigate how far they can fall like that's that's my only reason for being upset about that yeah if you uh if there weren't ties like if this ends up with there not being ties and you're just looking at like the base odds yeah the difference between being fourth where the thunder are and third you have a where the thunder currently are in fourth you have a 45 percent chance of getting the sixth seventh or eighth pick yeah if you get up to three, that drops to 33%. Yeah. So that's like a 12 percentage point difference of getting a top five pick or or not getting a top five pick right. just from moving up one spot. Exactly. And I think if it wasn't as close as it is, it wouldn't hurt as much. Yeah. But you're but when we get to the end of whatever this rebuilding period looks like, and we look back and you look at those final standings like, wow, we were actually that close to having like third best odds or second best odds or whatever mm-hmm. en- it ends up being mm-hmm. like when the margins are that small, it's hard not to be like, that was a missed opportunity. It was, it was absolutely a missed opportunity. Now they could get lucky and still get in the top three. That would be wonderful. But to me, it's about the process rather than whatever the result is. Like I can't, you can't control the result. The thunder can't control the result, but I mean, the, the trouble is, that like we know that Mark knows what Sam wants. And essentially they just took all the good guys off the team, <laughs> you know, for this last game. Yeah, for sure. It took everybody that was good off the team. Trey Man late scratch. I don't know the legitimacy of his injury. I'm sure there's something there because I mean the truth is at this point in the season, everybody's got something, right? Everybody has something they can say is is hurting or aching or something. Everybody's got it. So it's not hard to say, hey, what's hurting you today and sit you out and it not be like not a legitimate injury, but like it it's maybe is legitimate, but something he could also legitimately play through. Like those are that's happening all over the NBA right now. And but to me it was subbing in Roby and Wiggins at the end of the game. Like you didn't have to do that. Like the game <laughs> you had it in hand and we know, like, all oh, the, the coaches don't tank, the players don't tank. I'm well aware of that. But does it not behoove Mark Degnault in his own coaching career to lose these games down the stretch because it's going to get him, it gives him a better chance to have better players or it gives Sam a better chance to choose the guy that he wants? Because well, dude, t- two, two moments. One in the Orlando game, I forgot who they were playing, but Jamal Mosley in that fourth quarter, did not bring his starters back. Oh, in seven minutes left in the game. I was well aware of it. I'm sitting there on pins and needles. Like, when are they going to put the other guys back in? Right. And Jamal Mosley doesn't. In fact, he takes Cole Anthony out. Yeah. And then... Like, if, if that's not a that coach out. tanking, what is? Exactly. Like, in, in, a, in that point in the game, like, just let Sar ride it out, baby. If you want to, people say like, well, what else could the Thunder have done? That's something they could have done. 
I and mean, they would have the, lost. The Clippers showed more commitment to the tank in one game than we've ever seen from the Thunder. It's like, so true. It's, it's so not true. just a lineup decision. It's like, how are you actually, how seriously are you going to take this game? Like, yeah. the Clippers were not taking, they, they were running mid range shots for Oturo all game. Oh, the whole time. And also, like, you don't have to foul. On the like, there are a lot. One, what could they have done? There's lots of things they could have done. This well, organization gonna, prides itself in being aligned from top to bottom, and that's where I was there. That's where like there is a disconnect that exists, and I know it's because players and coaches don't tank. I get that. I understand it completely. But this that would have been a very very good loss for this team because well, no one's losing to the Blazers right now. Just look at what the Blazers did at the end of overtime. They were down three with like a couple seconds left and did not run a play for a three. Yeah. They ran a play for a quick two with no timeouts, which means that as soon as they fouled Oklahoma City, the game was essentially over because they weren't going to be able to advance the ball after whatever happens at the free throw line. And then you saw what their like inbounds looked like. Bro. Like I think it was CJ Ellaby looked like he was going to try to get back behind the baseline to have him pass it to him and then he was going to throw it, but he passed it to him while he was still in bounds and they didn't even get like a shot off. No, like that decision looked like tanking as well. Like they did so not bad. look like they were running a play to win the game when they went for that quick two with no timeouts left. It was, and, it was also as bad. Did you see last night where it was, I think it was the Sixers were down two to the bucks at the end of that game. And there was, um, they were, they were doing a jump ball with like two seconds left. And Embiid tips it to Harden, and Harden dribbles like three times, and time expires, and he just had no idea. <laughs> he didn't know that the time started once you tipped it. He thought that, anyways, it was ridiculous. We need to get Harden on this team. I know we need James Harden back. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand people not being upset, and listen, I'm not going to actually be upset until we fall to like seven or something, because yeah. when you look back at these years and you think about how. The Thunder willingly let themselves become the face of tanking in the league. Yeah. Like, again, no one's talking about Orlando. No one cares about Detroit. No one cares. In fact, people are tweeting this morning about the net rating of the Detroit Pistons since the All-Star break in a positive way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I figured it would be good. Yeah, but, like, the franchise has allowed themselves to become the face of tanking in the league. And we're going to look back at these and it's like, you know, Shea is going to end up playing something like 90 games over the last two seasons. Uh, Giddy's only played like 50 games. Of course, we still have no idea what's wrong with Giddy. He's like warming up. So maybe it's okay. Um, I I don't know. It just feels like if you come out of this having never gotten a top five pick Mm -hmm. or at least putting yourself in position to feel pretty good about getting a top five pick. it's, It's a failure on some level process wise even if you end up getting players like giddy or whoever they get in this draft right. if they fall if aj griffin ends like. up being the best player in the draft cool that's great but yeah it's not the you don't go through all of that to pick seventh you don't like you don't do Agreed. everything this franchise has done over the last two years to pick seventh I'm you can be the kings and pick seventh every year exactly like, you could be the ki- yeah just do what the kings do like you just, you're just in the middle. Like that's, they're in like, yeah. And and next year it's going to be even harder. Where this draft is so important to the point where I don't know if it's easier at this point 
for them to be able to trade up because there's no consensus on like who, right. what these guys are and who they are and how they're going to play and how do they fit with the franchises that are up there? Like, I don't know. I think, I mean, there's clear fits with Detroit. There's clear fits with Houston, but like Orlando, like what the heck are they going to do? Indy, I don't know what they're going to do. Sacramento, who know? Like if Sacramento gets like the second pick, what in the world are they going to do? <laughs> you know, with the first pick, like, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but I'm, yeah, I, th- I th- I think I just, Portland is another interesting one. I, yeah. I don't think that they trade a top pick, but if their own pick ends up at like four or five and then they get the Pelicans at like nine or 10, mm-hmm. everyone expects that. Like if you listen to Blazers podcast, they already think it's like a done deal with Jeremy Grant. It's just a matter of like that pick conveying yeah. at around nine or 10 yeah. and they're going to trade for Jeremy Grant. But you could imagine a scenario where Portland at that point, is kind of out of assets other than their own first. Yeah. And would they be willing to trade that first for more firsts that they could then use to do even more deals over the summer? Because if Portland thinks they're going to take someone at five or or well, let's say four in this draft, and they're going to come in and be an immediate contributor on a team that needs to be in the playoffs next season. Yeah. Like, I think that's just asking a lot for this draft class. Like, yeah. I, I, like maybe Jabari can be that guy, but you're probably not getting him at four. Like, I don't think you're taking Jaden Ivy. Like I think it, it gets questionable for Portland if they come in around four, whether it's really worth taking a guy versus trading that for more first that they can flip for yeah. for vets. So I think that's a possible option. But yeah, again, we get it. We're not we're not gonna they they could jump up to the number one pick, Andrew. And every, everyone on all all sides could come together and be excited and happy. That's right. And we and that's why I'm not gonna get too mad. Uh, but you know, you can just, you can feel it coming. You can feel, you can feel what's happening because we experienced it last year mm-hmm. and it feels like it's happening again and it sucks. It does. Yeah, what would you be willing to give up for that? If the Blazers ended up at even at five and we were, we were at like seven. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, if you're giving up the seven, obviously like, I, you give up maybe like one of the lottery protected firsts, yeah, like the like the Miami pick or the Denver pick or something like that. Is there a player I mean, you, that I would don't be f- attractive to them that's on the Thunder for the Blazers? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Dort obviously. Um, Is Dort would, attractive to them though? If they've got Josh Hart and Anthony Simons and Dame and Justice Winslow and you know, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but I I still think like they don't really have like small smaller defensive players. Like J- Josh Hart is probably their best. Yeah. But like Dort is better defensively than Josh Hart. And if you had Dort and Hart with Ant and Dame, like you can mix and match that a lot of different ways to feel much better defensively like through 48 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like if if you're resting everything on Josh Hart being like an above average defender Bro. on guards, Bro. like I, they are he, all in on Josh Hart. Oh, I mean and I really like Josh Hart, but like yeah. knowing the Blazers injury history, yeah. like they should not they should try to get another guard who can defend <laughs> is is what I would say. I don't disagree. I'm just wondering how they how they would feel about that. You know, yeah. and I don't know how I feel about trading Dort for that pick. I don't know. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Sure. I'm just we're just you're asking who who they might like. That that would be a guy that might make sense. Spitball in here, yeah. I mean, Kenrich obviously would be great on their team as well. They they, they need players that can come in, plug and play right away. Yeah, because they 
they cannot afford to i mean honestly they they really shouldn't be a play-in team next year like if, if you're the blazers and you're bringing back dame and you're building around him your goal should be we are a f- solid top six playoff team no doubt and i think they and i think they have to do a lot this summer to get to that point and feel confident about that so like th- there's a bunch they could add there's so many players that would potentially help them do that mm-hmm. and i don't think it's the fifth pick in this draft i don't think so either uh nathan kramer asks are y'all doing another draft lotto party we absolutely are we are f- trying to finalize where the location is but we will have a big luke's dump. pad luke's pad Everybody founders hop, to, oh I should, hop, I should, hop on the elevator this. and come on up to <laughs> Man's pad yeah <laughs> That would uh, that would get packed pretty quick. He does have uh, three balconies, though. He does. He <laughs> definitely has three balconies. <laughs> none of none of them like super big. Yeah, no. None of actually, them I big think enough where be, you could have like more than be two called people. Small. Yeah. And also, there's a huge wall in front of you, so if you are sitting in a chair on the balcony, you're looking at concrete. <laughs> but. You can stand there up. There are still three balconies. Yeah, you can stand up. You can up. stand up. You're allowed to stand up. You can put a chair on an <laughs> elevated platform. Yeah, you uh, could. Hey, before before we move on, I just wanted to uh, talk about Isaiah Roby really quick. Oh, let's tease that and go go to a break real oh, quick. Okay. We're going right. to talk Roby <laughs> what after, a tease. This, after this quick break. Discovered the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. And we're back after that quick break. Lay on the Roby stats. Uh, yeah, because I think there's some Thunder fans who are, you know, seeing this stretch run from Roby and, and feeling good. And I want to be fair to that. So I just wanted to look up on cleaning the glass and kind of compare his stats this year to last year mm-hmm. and see where he might have improved. I think the obvious point, if you've looked at Roby on basketball reference, is his three-point shooting. Like, it's yeah. it's absurd how big of a jump. And of course, it's a small sample size because they, he didn't really get any playing time at the right. beginning of the year. So you don't know how much to trust it. We but we, I, I think we would both agree that if Roby is going to stick in this league, it's going to be because he becomes something like a 40% three-point shooter. Like That would be huge for him and his ability to stay in this league long term. It would be the reason to me. And Yeah. And so cleaning the glass, of course, they're, they're wiping out uh, garbage time. Last year, he shot 31% from three, 31st percentile. Of course, this is being compared to other bigs. This year, 47.7% from three, 98th percentile for bigs. And what's interesting is that his shot profile is pretty similar. Like he's had a slight uptick in corner threes, but it's not Mm -hmm. like this is all coming from corner threes. In fact, if you look at his corner threes last year, he shot 48% from the corners. Yeah. He's shooting 53% this year. 
it's all improvement coming from above the break threes. Last year, he shot 27% on those threes. This year, he's shooting 46% on above the break threes. Again, super small sample size, but like at the same time, that is very impressive. You have to like hand it to Roby. I, I never imagined a scenario where, regardless of the stretch of basketball, Isaiah Roby is hitting 45% or above from threes. Like that's that's absurd. Yeah, and and if that is crazy. the thing that he's focused on, like uh, he's uh, he's doing well so far. Obviously, yeah. you want to see it over extended stretch. You would love to see it in games that actually matter. Because as a reminder, and I've said this before, one of the reasons I have trouble buying into Roby is because the team doesn't buy into Roby. Like they did not play him when this team was playing actual games earlier in the season. He was never getting minutes. It was only once they shifted the season, decided they want to lose every game that they began playing Roby big minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I, that that factors into how I feel about him. Like I need the team to show me that they believe in him long term before I'm just going to like jump on board. But I do think that's yeah. really impressive. Yeah. The other thing. He has cut his turnover percentage in half. Last year, he was pretty bad. 18.6% was his turnover percentage, which means on possessions that Roby had, he was turning the ball over 20% of the time, basically. Yeah. He has cut that down to 9.6%, which is going from the 10th percentile to the 85th percentile. It feels like he is... Because last season, it felt like he would grab the ball off the rim and push a lot. Yeah, and that's where he get a lot of turnovers, or he would drive a lot more. Like this season, it feels like he's been more decisive and more aware of what he needs to do. Like that is, I can definitely say, like that has been a huge improvement for him, because last year it was it felt like a free for all. Like he he felt a little bit like he it felt like he and Poku were just kind of just doing their thing out there all the time. And yeah. he, he's definitely more kind of like boxed in on what he is supposed to do. His points per shot attempt went from 111 last year to 126, which is going from the 31st to 73rd percentile for bigs. 1.26? One uh, 111. There's points per shot attempt. So it's like per 100. So it would be like 1.11 yeah. if you were doing it yeah. per shot attempt. And what is it uh, this year? One two, did you say 1.26? One, well, it would be 1.26, yeah. That's good. And, and not only is that coming from him shooting it amazingly, his shooting at the rim has improved. Last year, I mean, he was fine, 61%. Now he's at 69%, which nice. is for bigs, is in the 60th percentile. So, like, he still, it's not like he's one of the best players in the league around the rim, but he is like solidly above average. So now you've got a guy who can finish really well at the, at the rim, who's shooting it like lights out from three. Mm hmm. And that's and you're getting this player, and, and he's not turning the ball over. So, mm-hmm. so all of a sudden, offensively, you have this like very efficient stretch big, which is kind of interesting. And defensively, eh, you know, on the one hand, his block percentage and steal percentage are both up. Yeah, he's both of those are above 1.5. I think he's 1.8 percent for both. Mm-hmm. Which there aren't a ton of there, especially aren't a ton of bigs in the league who can say that. Mm-hmm. He's not a good rebounder at least for how the Thunder play him. Like, the Thunder play him as a center. In fact, Cleaning the Glass says that he spent 94% of his minutes this season at center. Compared to last year, it was 43%. Hmm. His total rebound percentage is 11.8%, which puts him around guys like Siakam, Scotty Barnes, Tobias Harris, like big wings as opposed to centers. So I do think, like, he's 
I mean, and we kind of know this just from defensively around the rim, but like he is probably playing out of position and Roby at center is probably not the optimized form of whatever Roby can be. Well, what is his, that's my question with him is like, what is his position? So if he is a power forward, like basically a stretch four who is next to a really good rim defender, like you could imagine a scenario where that might work. Like if he really is a 40% three point shooter, he's also efficient around the rim. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's like a low usage, high efficiency guy on offense. Mm -hmm. And then defensively, like it, I mean, obviously I don't think he's good, but I think a lot of that is him having to play out of position, like him being forced to be a rim protector when that's not really his natural game. Yeah, problem is like his feet just aren't quick enough to be a, like a real four. He's yeah. caught, he's caught, he's like, he's the Markeith Morris. Like he's got Markeith Morris syndrome where you're playing in between positions. And like he's not really a power four, he's not really a center. I mean, that's that to me is like that's the reason why I'm not on board with Roby long term is because if he were three inches taller or if his feet were quicker, then it's like, okay, cool. Like if he if his feet were as quick as like Darius's feet are, then it's like, okay, like I can see it. Like I can see a way. But it's no it's by no accident that he plays center only. It's because like those are the guys that he can stay with. But also, most of those guys are way bigger and way stronger. You know, like Drew Eubanks. You know, put him in the rim. You know, many times in Portland. He did. And so, what it? That's. I mean, that to me is like that's. If you were to look for like why, like why does why do you not believe in Isaiah Roby? Like that would be my. That's my official Roby take. That's my official point is like why I don't know that he'll get there. Okay, what if you leave him at the five, but you had like a kind of weak side rim protector for like kind of like Serge Ibaka or even like Chet, who's probably going to come in and play four and is a little more mobile defensively. Yeah. I Can just don't love his work? versatility. I mean, I would rather play JRE because JRE has much quicker feet yeah. than he does at that spot. And yeah, I mean, if JRE can ever hit 40% from three, yeah, then it's like obvious. Well, and, and this is all why we don't see Roby at the beginning of the season when like you legitimately had to play good defense to stay on the court for Mark. Yeah. You had to. It wasn't optional. It wasn't like, well, this guy's doing his best and we'll keep him out there. Like, no. I mean, there were moments where Mark would be very transparent with us after games and say, like, hey, this was the play where Trey screwed up and I never put him back in because he screwed up, you know? And I fully believe that the reason that he didn't play at the beginning of the season was because they didn't think that he could stay with fours and they didn't think he was strong enough to stay with fives. And I think that's it. Offensively, yeah, he's got some stuff. It's cool. Again, like how much do you believe in what happens at the end of NBA seasons? I am, I'm not a huge believer in what happens at the end of NBA seasons for almost anybody, <laughs> you know? I mean, there's just, there's always wacky, weird things that happen at the end of every single NBA season. And we talked about it on Slam and Jam on Saturday, like Terrence Jones putting up like 33, 8, and 5, you know, where, and even Terrence Jones, who like was a first round pick, you know, where the, the Rockets fans could have been like, man, look at this, this is the power forward of the, of the future for us. 
and you know he didn't even make it. So that's I mean this is where like I just need to see it at the beginning of next season if he's in the rotation and he's improved and he's found a way to improve his lateral quickness then cool like maybe you have a bench big in Roby but other than that like I just I just have a hard time seeing him get there yeah I I I agree um but I thought I should at least point out um because I know there are some Roby fans out there and looking at the stats there are legitimate areas where he has drastically improved this season um so I'm with you. Like I need to see the Thunder take him seriously before I'm going to take him seriously. Yeah. And if he is in the rotation at the beginning of next at the beginning of next year, like that's a huge sign for Roby's future. That's great. Like, the, the shooting, the the shooting stuff. Willing... If the shooting stuff is real, then they then they need him to play. <laughs> you know, because this team is desperate for real shooting. They right. they need it so badly. And if they've developed a guy, great. That's wonderful. You know, you traded traded for him from the Mavs, comes over, and if he's a legitimate contributor, that's great. I, I would love to be wrong. I would my preference would be to be wrong about this, you know, because the Thunder need rotation guys and they need legitimate guys that they can count on. And I'm just not there with Roby. I'm actually kind of getting more there with Veet um, <laughs> yeah? than I am with yeah. Isaiah. Uh, was it last week's pod that got you excited? It was me? last week's pod. I got just so excited. Uh, wow. he, he, I don't know, man. If the shooting is real from the wing for him, there's there's a world where Veet becomes a, you know, your eighth guy, like just because he's he does have a skill set on the wing that is very new age Thunder. You know what his uh, points per shot attempt are in terms of percentile in the league? No. 99th, Andrew. That's pretty good from what I know <laughs> about numbers. <laughs> now, it's mostly being driven by the fact he's shooting, again, similar to Roby, 47% from three. He's been percentile. out. He's been absolutely lights out. I've been saying for a while I don't trust his shot, and I think I might be wrong because it just continues to go in. The more comfortable he gets, like the more that the ball just continues to go in. It's like, okay, like, if this yeah. is it, again, great. I prefer to be wrong about this. <laughs> I'd rather these guys be good. I'd rather these guys show up and, and prove us all wrong. You know? Well, and I think it's, it's easier with Veet because you start looking at the big rotation for next year, especially if the Thunder end up not being comfortable playing Roby at the four. Yeah. Like you're talking about Muscala coming back, Jerry is there, and then it's going to be hard to come out of this draft without taking a center just because there are so many centers available. Yeah. Especially in the mid part. You to hope the end of the to first be able round. to select one of the guys at the top. If you get one of those guys, then I would almost bank it that Roby's not playing next year. Right. And, and so that factors into it as well. Yeah, because um, Baisley's going to play next year. They've got they. He is not a free agent this summer. He'll be a free agent the summer after. He's going to play a lot. Like he's he's somebody that they have trusted a bunch. And we haven't gone over the injuries and who's out. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this show, you are well aware that SGA is out for the season. Baisley's out for the season. Um, Giddy's out for the season. Um, but Baisley. I tweeted this this stat out whenever we heard the news that he was going to be done. Is that he finished the season with more blocks than fouls, and he had seventy blocks and sixty eight fouls. 
No one in the league got even close to that same ratio. Like, not even close. I mean, of the guys who had at least 50 blocks, he is by far, like, far and away the lowest foul percentage of anybody. The next lowest is Anthony Davis, who had, like, 98 fouls, I think. I mean, it is it is kind of crazy. Well, it's the kind of thing where, like, if Roby develops this shot and it's real, you think, okay, he could probably stay in the league for a couple years as, like, a rotation big for someone in the league, Thunder yeah. or not. With Bays, it's like, if he started shooting 36% from three, you're talking about, like, a 10-year-plus NBA player because you feel a, so good about him defensively. The starter, if if the Thunder got Chet, he would start next to Chet. Yeah. And then you'd have like these two like wacky versatile bigs. I mean, that's I mean, he would without a doubt start if he could shoot. Now, he's proven over time that he really can't. Maybe that improves <laughs> over the summer, but yeah. even if he doesn't improve as a shooter, he's proven enough as a versatile defender that I think he's worth bringing back. We've talked about that a lot. We don't have to go over any of that, but I, I think that the defensive stuff, he's he's definitely the the opposite of Roby, where, but the problem with Roby is that what will get you on the court and keep you on the court is the defense. Like that's, yeah. like Mark requires that to happen. Um, okay, you want to move on to our segment? Let's move on to a segment that I'm still not completely sure about. It's very tough. Now, I was watching the Utah Clippers game last night, and I thought of this, honestly, when the Clippers were down 20. This, this is a positive thing about the Clippers, but I, I turned that game off because I was like, why am I wasting my time watching a jazz game on a Tuesday night? They're up by 25 or whatever it was. <laughs> I know. Like, this is over. And, of course, they come. the Clippers come back Gosh, the and win. Clippers. And Gosh. I started to think about, like, do, those Clippers picks, when, when we got them, you're thinking if you can just get one year where they have injuries to Kawhi and or PG, like what more can you really ask for in terms of the value of those picks? Like that would be this, that would be the main scenario where those picks would turn into something fruitful. Mm -hmm. We got that this season. We got it. And they are still a very good team because of Tyler Jackson. I have, I have, I'm so tired of watching this team. I'm so tired of watching the Clippers. I tune in for almost I've tuned in for probably like 30 or 40 of their fourth quarters and it's and when you, a gut punch almost every time. And we, so when you factor in their their coach who I think by this point like when you think about all the teams that could have had Ty Lue who did not get, go after him. The Lakers. When you factor in the coach, when you factor in the ownership group who is willing to spend gobs of money and do not care about it, taking on that Norman Powell deal which other teams just didn't want to do because of how many years it went out, but the Clippers don't care. Yeah. When you factor in that they're going to be moving into a new arena in a couple seasons. So there's not so like there's an incentive for them to stay good beyond the fact that they don't have their picks. Like they want to create excitement around this team as they move into the new arena. I started to wonder, like, okay, if you could have three unprotected picks mm -hmm. from any team in the league, let's mm. say the 23, the 25, and the 27, uh -huh. or you can make it like two picks and a swap or something, just yeah. thinking about mo mostly like the next five years, who would be the five teams that you would most want those picks for? And who would be the five teams you'd least want those five picks for? And I started with least because I was like, okay, uh, these Clippers picks don't feel as good as they once did to me. But, uh -huh. but, there has to be a team that I would want less. 
And I do think there are teams that I would want less. Oh, without a doubt. There's a, there's a, there's several for me. Yes. So I'm going to go through my bottom five and then you can, you can kind of tell me what your bottom five looked at. We can compare and contrast. Okay. So my number one team that I went with, like I would not want, if, 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 if I'm getting the option, I'm getting three unprotected picks no matter what. And I have to rank the teams. The team I'm putting last was the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. The thinking here was they are the second youngest team in the league. They have their main guys locked up. Yeah. They have a good coach. They have a good organization. It's hard to see those picks becoming something, especially when you factor in the fact that when Ja Morant has been out this season, they've looked, they've been like one of the greatest teams of all time. (laughs) So, like, we've already seen proof that this Uh, team can handle the loss of Ja Morant, at least mm -hmm. over a short period of time. So, even if he did get hurt in the future, they've already proven to me that they can handle it. And they could potentially have a lottery pick in this next draft. Yes, they could they could have a lottery pick. They could also they still have a jazz pick coming. Like they have they're set up so well. They've got some going stuff, forward. Man. Yeah. I don't want any part of it. So that that's why I put them as my number one team. My number two team may be surprising. The Toronto Raptors. That's okay. They're they're my number two team as well. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I was thinking, and first of all, they're they're way younger than you would think. They're the eighth youngest team in the league. Yeah, very young. They have one of the best GM. I think he's like president of basketball or whatever with Masai. You so you yeah. trust him, but also one of the a few of the stats that I was looking at when deciding this is one how long how, what's what's the team's current playoff streak? What's their current playoff drought? Mm-hmm. How many sub twenty five seasons have they had over the last twenty years? Because teams that are around twenty five wins or less are the teams that are, are potentially giving you like a primo pick. Mm-hmm. obviously you're happy if a team gets like 28 wins or whatever but if you can find a team that's consistently getting 25 wins or less you're feeling really good and when you think back through toronto history over the last 20 years in your head you don't think of them as like some amazing franchise over the entirety of that 20 years but they only had two seasons where they had a sub 25 or 25 wins or less mm-hmm. season so they've been consistently mediocre to good over that entire period they have a rookie who like is good right off the bat. So and that's good, important man. because of how long they he is going to be in Toronto kind of no matter what, yeah. unless they make some big trade. The only thing that would give you like a glimmer of hope if you had Toronto's picks is that they've been shown to be willing to go all in like they did with the Kawhi trade. Mm-hmm. And you could imagine an all in move like that backfiring sometime for for some reason. But that's like the small sliver of hope you would have. Well, that I mean, that plus the pandemic took got them the fourth pick. You right. Know? Yeah, like yeah, like one of those years was this complete aberration where they're in Tampa. Yeah. One of their like quote unquote bad years. So yeah, they were two for me. Number three, I went Miami, which this may be a little controversial because there's a lot of stuff going on with the Miami Heat right now. Yeah. Even though even though they're the number one pick. They only they've only had two 25 win or less seasons in the last 20 years. Yeah. They have one of the best coaches in the league. And more importantly, we've seen this team without star power. Yeah. And Spo has kept them above water no matter what. Well, and Bam and Hero are young. They're, they're young. Even though they're average time. age, they're the, they're the third oldest team in the league. That's like, it's like PJ and Jimmy and those guys. Yeah. When you have a good organization combined with a free agent destination – yeah. Like it's just a lock that you're going to be solid. They're gonna get somebody else. <laughs> they're good. So they're, that's what, they're gonna get somebody else. It's gonna happen. Yeah. That's why I had Miami three. Four, I had Phoenix. Now Phoenix okay. is tricky because you do have the obvious Robert Sarver thing Ooh, where yeah. 
everything looks perfect right now, but are they really going to pay DeAndre Aiden and Cam Johnson? The thing, though, is that like they already have Booker locked up. They already have Bridges locked up. They're mm-hmm. most likely going to bring back at least one of Aiton or Cam Johnson. They'll lock up and I, That's going to happen. That's how I feel, too. Yeah. And what we saw over this recent stretch is that even when Chris Paul leaves, there is still a super young nucleus who is a very good team. You combine that with Monty Williams, who is probably going to be coach of the year this year. Yeah. Like, their next five years, I mean, Devin Booker is still, like, what, 25 or 26? Like, Mm-hmm. they're solid the only thing that can screw this up is robert oh, sarver yeah like even if they got injuries like i still feel like the infrastructure in place is solid it is they're i don't know that i have them quite that high like i honestly have like the mavs up there so i thought about the mavs because yeah. the mavs have only had one 25 win or less season yeah. over the last 20 years the thing with the Mavs, though, is I feel like they are more dependent on one guy than other teams. Like, if you had a season where Luka got hurt, like, I'm not as confident in Jason Kidd keeping that team at, like, 35 to 40 wins as I am of Phoenix staying afloat with Monty Williams. Sure. Yeah. And that, that, and that became one of the differentiating factors for me because there are – there's a couple of teams that I put as like honorable mention. It was like Boston, Milwaukee, Denver, Dallas. Milwaukee, These are all teams yeah. that have only had like one really bad season over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it's just a decision of like, okay, if their top guy goes out, how confident are you that they're going to stay afloat based on what they have in place and who their coach is? Yeah. I mean, you could just, you could say though, like when you get to 2025, that if Chris Paul's done and then Booker gets hurt. Like they could have a a bad season, right? Yeah, all these teams at the bottom. It's like it's such a narrow needle that you would have to thread. Yeah, it's so small. Yeah, but yeah. that's true for all these teams. I also have the Spurs up up high. Just so I think the Spurs they're never going to compl- be they're never going to be. I don't think they're ever going to be horrible. They are the only team on this list who has zero twenty five win or less seasons over the last two decades. Yeah, they're they're just not going to be horrible and they've got like a group of young guys that you're like okay like some of these guys are starting to pop if they get they're just gonna be mediocre like they're just if you if you're looking for a pick that could end up there like i don't like who's the one guy i guess it's Dejounte murray is like the one guy if he got hurt you'd be like okay maybe they're screwed but still like they're gonna win 27 games that year you know, that's right. that because of the way the roster is constructed. I I thought about them. The only thing with me is because Pop is so close to retirement. Yeah. Like, I have to allow for the possibility that Pop is holding up this Spurs infrastructure more than... Yeah. I mean, I mean, we talk about him like he is just omnipresent over the Spurs franchise, and he is this larger-than-life force. Yeah. And if you remove that from the equation, are we... 100% positive that it's just going to stay on track and be the same franchise that it was. I kind of am. Like RC is definitely like up there, you know. Cuz I I compare them to the Clippers and I actually am more confident the Clippers are never going to be bad in the near future because we had our opportunity. They've already proven themselves this year that even if they have the two biggest injuries you could possibly imagine mm-hmm. for a team, two all-stars getting knocked out, and they are still – they're not even fighting for a playing spot. Mm-hmm. They're, like, fighting for home court 
in the play-in. Mm-hmm. Like that, that proved to me more than these other teams could prove to me. Like they just haven't had the opportunity to do so. Yeah. I ended up putting the Clippers at fifth on my list, but those next five teams, which I put Spurs, Boston, Milwaukee, Denver, Dallas, mm-hmm. I think all of those are worth considering. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Clippers are, are tough. They're tough to place. The Spurs are tough to place. I just, I don't know. I, if we're talking about swinging for the fences, I just don't know that the Spurs are a team that would ever be one of those teams. Like they're definitely in my top 10. And the other thing you have to factor in here, and it's especially hard with small market teams, is like, obviously, if they don't have their picks in this scenario, there's no incentive for them to tank. Like, we saw the Spurs tank once upon a time Mm -hmm. when they got Tim Duncan. But in this scenario, they wouldn't be doing that. And so it is harder to judge small markets because there's always that fallback position with small markets. Okay, if we have to tank, we can do it. Whereas a team like the Clippers, like, even if they had their own pick, I, I kind of feel like they would still be going for it and be doing really well. Like, I don't know if Ty Luke can is a tanking coach necessarily. Yeah. And well, I just don't think the organization is heading that way at all. Like that's not yeah. where they want to go anyways. Yeah. I don't think they would either. It's not only Ty Lue. I think it's the ownership, you know, they, the ownership approved these trades, you know, that are, that's going to increase their payroll, you know, upcoming. And they don't care because I, think they're the richest ownership group in the in the league so it's just like they can do whatever they want do you want to give your quick bottom five and then we'll move on to our top five most coveted grizzlies raptors heat bucks spurs mavs is who i've got wow so we had the same top three yeah the raptors i just don't have confidence that they'll ever be bad ever again as long as messiah's there (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) so now most impressive most coveted and this was really hard. I mixed and matched these again and again and again. Yeah. Trying to decide who I really didn't believe in the most. <laughs> I I ended up going with Houston, but it was close. Yeah. Now, on, on Houston's side, like, and we talked about this on Slam and Jam, like they've yeah. never really been this bad. No. They they've had one. 25 win or less season in the last 20 years and it was last year obviously they're gonna have another one this year but like this traditionally has been a not just a good team but like the type of mediocre team that you don't want their picks because they're just always solid (laughs) over over the over the course of their entire franchise without a doubt man it's so true which is credit to them it just feels like with the recent change with ownership you have a new gm all the weird stuff that happened this year like even though I like Jalen Green more than some of the other like best young guys on some of these other teams yeah. long term, yeah, I still have enough questions with Houston, especially if we're including the twenty three pick, and that's where this becomes more important. Like I have more confidence that Houston's going to be bad next year, oh, and that's going to guarantee me a good pick. Maybe they're good by twenty five and twenty seven, but if I can lock in that twenty three pick, I don't really care. Yeah. And I have more confidence that they're going to be bad next year than some of these other teams. No question. So that's why I put Houston number one. No question. Number two, Orlando. Yeah. Who is tied for the most 25 win or less seasons over the last 20 years. They've had six. The only other team, do you know who it was? Who has hit six? Mm-mm. Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Interestingly, you know who's had five? Mm. Phoenix and Memphis. Mm. Interesting. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, it does make sense. Uh, yeah, I put Orlando second here. 
I trust their front office a little bit more. <laughs> a little bit. Okay. A little bit more. Um, I feel like they have positioned themselves a little bit better to get like a jump start. Like if, if they get a top pick this year, yeah. they're going in next year. Like they're more focused on their youth than Houston has been. Yeah. Um, you know, Houston is probably still gonna bring back Christian Wood and like I I just like don't think he's gonna be good like on a good team for the in the foreseeable future. Nope. Whereas with the Magic, like again, if you look at the net rating of their young core guys together, they've been good this season. Like if you look at lineups that include Wagner and uh Wendell Carter Jr. and even Suggs, whether it's like Fultz, Cole, Cole Anthony, like a lot of those lineups have been positives. Mm-hmm. So if you add another top pick into that, I just feel a little bit better. I still think Orlando's going to be bad next year, but if I'm splitting hairs between Houston and Orlando, that's why I put Orlando too. Yeah, they're going to super suck next year. They just don't have the guy. That's their, that's their biggest problem in that they took the swing and hoped that Suggs would be that guy. I was a big Jalen Suggs guy. He just hasn't shown anything that makes you think like he's going to be the guy. You know, right. I mean, if they, if they had what they need is like like a big time connector, right? And like Josh, when like when, like in hindsight, Josh would have been great for that roster. Like, been yeah, so so good. He would he might have averaged eleven assists for this team, like that, like legitimately, because he's got bigs that can, you know, set good screens and roll. Like Wendell Carter, like he and Wendell Carter's chemistry would would have been tremendous you can they've got some guys that can shoot it you know Wagner would have been great with him you run a pick and pop with Ian Wagner like that's gonna that would be really tough um he would have been (laughs) he would have been awesome for them um so third this is where I slotted in the Kings which was a tough pick because the Kings as bad as they have been have only had three of those seasons I talked about where you get 25 or less wins like their problem is that they don't tank they're never the worst team in the league but you have that consistency which is nice they're they're like a safe pick maybe you don't end up getting an amazing pick out of this but you're going to be in the mix every single year hey it's gonna eventually you'll you'll get the year where they get up to number two and they take where they get lucky and jump up yeah so i mean you could argue for them being one because you could just you have the confidence that they are going to be in the mix every single just knowing they'll be in the lottery yeah yeah and then fourth, Washington Wizards. Yeah. Now, this is a little bit of a gamble because of Brad Beal, but we've seen enough with the rumors starting to fly with Bradley Beal oh, where I yeah. feel like this might be a good time to buy into the Wizards being bad long-term because I do not believe in their young guys No. as like as like number one or number two or maybe no. even number three guys. No. So no. it's like I'm, I'm betting on the zinger? I'm betting on Porzingis. Like, I feel no, great about that. No. Like, yeah. Give, like, give me those picks. Beal's going to re-up, and then he's going to get traded. That's what's going to happen. And that's and, and they're going to get something back, obviously, for Brad Beal. But I uh, I just I felt like that's a good one getting in before, before the rush, you know? I agree. They're number three on my list. And then number five, I ended up putting the Lakers here. <laughs> I went with the Lakers because... <laughs> We're kind of seeing what this is already going to look like because they owe all these future picks to New Orleans. Oh, Lord. Like, yes, short term, they're probably okay because LeBron's probably going to be there at least one more season. But beyond that, 
with how dysfunctional their front office has proven themselves to be mm-hmm. over these last couple of years, where basically they just had one good season over this LeBron stretch. Yeah. And all of the just boneheaded moves that they make over and over again. Like you can count on them yeah. to make dumb moves. Yeah. And so it's it's a risky one. It's very risky. Yeah. But they are the oldest team in the league, mm-hmm. which I like. I mm-hmm. like that. They have shown no consistency over these last couple seasons in terms of like making the playoffs. Their star player once LeBron leaves is Anthony Davis, who is hurt almost every single season for some period of time. And they have not shown the ability to like weather the storm. (laughs) They still have to figure out what they're going to do with Russ. Like they might have to get assets up to get rid of him. Yeah. Like it, it just count on it, baby count on it. I was about to call them a ticking time bomb. I feel like the bomb has already exploded, but like, I I feel like another bomb inside the bomb. Yeah. You're gambling on just the bad ownership. Like that, that's what you're betting on. Yeah, and it's risky because it's still LA, and some people might say like, "Why not Detroit?" Who I did consider, like there there are some other teams. I'm interested to hear your mm-hmm. top five, like most coveted. But I ended up going. I ended up slotting the Lakers at five. Um. So what? Who? Who were? You, what was your top five? So my top five, as I receive a package from my three year old here on the stream. Yeah, I got it. Thank you. All right, bye. Um, my bottom five, Houston, Orlando, one and two, just because it's hard to see a clear path for either of them to be good, like really good anytime soon. Uh, the Wizards, number three. I have Portland, number four. Uh, Interesting. They're going to try to be good, but when is Dame going to look up and be like, you know what, we're in the same spot. We're fighting for the play-in these last two years. Like, I... I've been as like I've, loyalty has taken me as far as it will go. The problem is he has not just doubled down on the loyalty thing. He has like tripled and quadrupled know, down on I it. I know. I just have a he, hard he time. He has backed himself into it. a corner where I think the only way they're going to trade him is if he asks for it. Yeah. And there's going to be a standoff there, and I just don't. I, at least right now, I can't imagine it happening things change it, quick in the nba is all I have they to do say. they do they change so fast and like dirk stayed with the mavs but he won a title with them you know right like kobe won multiple titles with the lakers it's just different it's different than those guys you know we look at Giannis as like the guy like Giannis won a title the blazers won a won a few series is that an, and, and maybe that's enough for him for most guys of this generation, it's not enough. And I think, and this is kind of like the conceit of doing this, is that the reason I didn't put them in there is because in this scenario, they know they don't have their picks. And so they're going to be more incentivized to not trade Dame yeah, because there's true. not going to be any benefit to there. So it really would require Dame coming out and demanding a trade in like a more public way, as we've seen from like Anthony Davis mm-hmm. or, or James Harden. And I just don't think that's going to ever happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... But if you if you t- take that out of the equation, like yes, like I'm worried about Portland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I've got the Knicks at number five. Yeah, the, the Knicks were my number six. They have had four of those types of seasons. They're, you know, outside of their amazing season last year, it's been really rough for two decades. And if 
And so I think they that, that's another one where you're betting on ownership. Like you're, you're just betting ownership. on the bad ownership. And the to fact carry that, through. that almost everybody except for Carmelo Anthony and an injured Amari Stoudemire has looked at that situation and said, no. <laughs> right. Everybody. I mean, Kevin and Kyrie, everybody thought Kevin and Kyrie were going to go to the Knicks. And it came down to ownership and they said no. It's I, I, I think it's a good pick. I, I had them six and I could see them being in the top five. Yeah. So two like, teams in my have, two teams in my top ten that are volatile at the moment. I've got the seventy sixers and I've got the jazz. Yeah, I'd put the seventy sixers definitely in my top half. Um and I I'd probably put Brooklyn there, like in my top half. Yeah. Um, just just factoring in the age and the volatility of the stars involved. Brooklyn has the ownership to management to like they've got that connection that other teams don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they 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 are Clippers East, you know, in my opinion. Like things have not gone well for them <laughs> this year and they're still going to be like that's that's why they're Clippers East is like they're still in the play in. You know, yeah, things have yeah. gone completely wrong for them. Like Ben Simmons, like is Ben Simmons going to play this year? Like probably not. <laughs> you know, he's probably not going to play for them. And like with the Seventy Sixers, if Joel Embiid gets hurt, which is very possible, he's a giant of a man who's had many, many injuries, and like he is close to being done. Like, what in the world are the Sixers? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, th- this this playoffs will answer a lot of these questions. I feel like for the Sixers, because if they do flame out, like if they just get a bad matchup in the first round mm-hmm. and flame out, and now you're the Sixers looking at giving James Harden like 50 million a year for the next five years. Like it could go downhill quick, but it also like they, they easily could, you know, if they made it to the finals, I don't think anyone would be shocked. Like they they have enough talent on this roster to be a finals team. If somebody from the future called me and said, Hey, the Sixers are in the finals. I would be pretty surprised by that today. Really? I would be pretty surprised by it. It wouldn't yeah. shock me as much just because if you look at all the lineup data when they actually play their good guys, like they're just killing everyone. I know. It would it would just surprise me. It's it's been I mean, a, it's I mean, been a long time since Doc Rivers has been to the finals too. See, I think that's the key. I actually don't I've been thinking about doing this for Slam and Jam for Dunker Junk, whether like how much we should worry about James Harden's playoff past. I really think it's Doc who you worry about, bro. We've seen it. Like, I've seen it right in front of my eyes. <laughs> dude, we, we, we saw it in this week against the Bucks, dude. When uh, he subbed out Embiid when Giannis was still on the floor at the beginning yeah. of the fourth, yeah, he man. plays Paul Millsap, who might, maybe not NBA player. Plays anymore. DeAndre. Plays DeAndre Jordan. How many Giannis teams over the last three seasons have just said, no, thank you, DeAndre. No, thank you. We don't want you playing minutes for us. And loses the game. And maybe that changes in the playoffs because <sighs> Embiid, can, he plays in more minutes or whatever. But yeah, Doc worries me there. And the Jazz, I agree. I mean, I, I feel a little bit better about their organization long-term just because they've proven it time and time again, like that they get out of these pickles. Mm-hmm. Like I thought they were dead after the Gordon Hayward thing, and they just like immediately bounce back. There, there's rumblings like, though. There's some rumblings about. I, I know about, there's rumblings about I know other stuff but the, it, with them. Like if if they do blow it up, like they're getting something back. Like, and I, I just have a feeling this team is going to. I, I, I'm more confident in them being able to rebound than like another franchise who would lose or trade their big star. Yeah, 
possible. They should get if they traded. And I saw some. I went on some jazz. Uh, I went on jazz subreddit. Like people are talking about trading Mitchell. Um, just, just entertaining the idea, which which is wild. But if you did trade Mitchell, like if you chose Gobert over him because you feel more confident that Gobert wants to stay long term and, mm-hmm. and you like Gobert or whatever, that you could get an absolute haul for Donovan Mitchell. Like young players locked up who are multi-time All Stars they do not get traded that often. Usually they're a little bit later in their career, like a James Harden. I guess Anthony Davis was kind of in that prime and they got a huge haul for him. Yeah. They he's would not get quite, a he's ton not quite of at, stuff. He's not quite at the level of AD though. He's not, but like that, that player just does not become available. Okay. What if, ever. what if Sam Presti showed up at your doorstep and he said, Alex, I need your help. I said, get out. Scram. Get Alex, Alex, I need your help. I'm going to trade for Donovan Mitchell. I'm going to do it, and but I want you to develop the trade package, and I I will leave it up to you, whatever you trade for Donovan. But I want him here as a Thunder man. Um, so like legitimately, what I think it would take, yes, would be we need you to get them. We need you to get Utah to say yes. Yeah, I would I would venture a guess. It would be like Giddy Man three firsts, Derek Favors, and you'd probably have to do another contract to uh, match salary. But basically, like, three firsts, and I I would say at least one, maybe two of them need to be, like, one of the primo firsts, like a Houston first or, like, an unprotected Clippers first, like 26 or something. It's a lot, but I'm telling you, like, if if Donovan Mitchell really became available, like, they're going to get, like, three picks and multiple swaps as a baseline – Unless they're getting a player back like a Josh Giddy, who they feel like is like a young up and coming star that they can build around. That's that's why I feel more confident not offering swaps, but they would have to buy into Giddy as that player. And I'm throwing in Trey Mann. Like I really do think that is the price for someone like Donovan Mitchell. Okay. It would be would, exorbitant. He's only twenty five. Will you feel would you feel better about a core of Giddy, Trey, Shea, plus whatever we get in this draft, or yeah, Shay Donovan Mitchell, and whatever we get in this draft. It's so hard because if I if I know what we're getting in this draft, I'm mm-hmm. going to feel a lot better. Because yeah. if we're falling to six, I'm almost like we're so far away. Like just keep Giddy and Man. We'll take whoever we're going to take at six, and yeah. let's just keep playing this out. If I know we're getting like the number one, number two pick, mm-hmm. and I feel like the guy we're going to be get we're going to be getting is going to be able to come in and immediately contribute, and we're keeping like. Kendrick Williams and we're keeping Dort in this scenario. Like you can talk yourself into it a little bit more easily. I do think they'd have to be even more aggressive at that point because now you have your team and that team frankly isn't good enough. Like Shea, Donovan Mitchell, even throw in Chet, Dort, Kendrick Williams, like that's a solid team. Mm-hmm. That's that's I don't think that's a contender. Okay. I agree. I'm just just wanted to just throw it out there just to yeah. see. Yeah. It's very interesting. All right. Uh, Thunder play tonight in Oklahoma City. They play the Atlanta Hawks, who have been volatile themselves all season long. <laughs> and the current list of injured players for the Thunder is still like a mile long, including, I think, Trey is questionable uh, tonight. So um, it would be a shocking win if they won this and game. And on, on Thursday, Andrew... For, for the Wheel of Fandom, we get the Lakers and the Jazz. The oh Bad Vibe Bowl. It is the Bad Vibe Bowl. 
I can't imagine a world where the Lakers win that game. The Lakers could legitimately miss the playoffs. All, all I know is that one of those two teams is going to be up by 20 and will lose that game. I don't know if it'll be the Lakers or the Jazz, but it'll be one of them. I would I would honestly love it if the Lakers won that game and the Jazz lost. I think the, <laughs> the, the Jazz fans would just completely lose their minds. Oh, man. All right, well, uh, enjoy the basketball tonight and the rest of the season. We've only got like two more home games after this, I think. Oh, it's wrapping up, guys. We're almost there. You almost did it. Almost did it. All right. We will talk to you guys again on Friday.